Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. I grew up in North Carolina, for those of you who are, who are new and don't know that. I grew up in North Carolina, small, well, I say small, medium-sized uh, town, about 250,000 people in Greensboro, nice, very southern, very southern town. Um, I remember going back there years, years later, and I was introduced one time as, as Richard's boy. My dad was named Richard. Actually, that's my first name, since Michael, my son, decided to share that with everybody. Um, that's my first name, but thank God my parents had the wisdom to call me Alan because my dad is 6'4". And so I would, it would have been Big Richard and... <laughs> and nobody got time for that. <laughs> but I, uh, I grew up what I would call Southern Preppy. And uh, my, my uniform, I mean, high school, college years, straight leg Levi's, no socks, top siders, button downs or polos. I was kind of a preppy. And uh, I got a job after college, when I graduated from college, 1981, I got a job with a company called Bluebell. Not the ice cream. Every time I say that, I can, I can see eyes just light up all over the place. It's like, really, ice cream? No, uh, Bluebell, they were the makers of Wrangler jeans. And they, they, I was gonna be staying in the Carolina area and a job opportunity opened up in Houston. And I decided just to take it, to come down here, to move away. They said. They said, you know, the, the top siders and, and straight leg jeans aren't going to work. You need to get you some real jeans and put some starch in them, get you some cowboy boots. And so I, uh, I, I remember getting some jeans. I took them to my cleaners. I said, I need you guys to put some starch in this. They go, we don't, we don't put starch in jeans. I said, I know that, but I need you to put starch in these. They're like, we won't do it. I had to get the manager and then sign an affidavit that if it came back and I didn't like it, that I would still pay for it. I'm like, I'm going to pay for it. So I got starch jeans and I got some cowboy boots and I came to Texas. It was a culture change to go from Southern preppy to, to Gillies. And I'm like, wow, here I am in, in Texas. It, it, was a, it was a transformational thing. I think I was here about two weeks and one of the ladies that I was, one of my clients, I called on um, small to medium sized kind of a mom and pop type businesses that sold Western wear. And I walked into one of them and this sweet lady, she's old enough to be my mom, she looked at me, she said, honey, we need to get you some real cowboy boots. I didn't know what real cowboy boots were like. And so I had some of those pointy-toed cowboy boots. I don't know if those were in style or not. They weren't thin, but I could have backed a roach in a corner and kicked him to death just with those, <laughs> with those cowboy boots. And so she said, we're gonna get you some real cowboy boots. And so I, I never could go with a hat, but I had my cowboy boots. The one thing that made me look like a cowboy is as bow-legged as I am, my legs look like they're in parentheses. And so <laughs> I, I adjusted to Texas culture. It was, it was transformational, it was a change. And this morning as I conclude our series on transformation, I want to talk about a change that we make. And transformation is being changed from the inside out. It's a mindset change. I'm gonna talk about the mindset change of living a bigger life, living bigger. Now, when I talk about living bigger, a lot of things can come to mind. People say, you know, Alan, I could live bigger if I had more resources. You know, if you have more resources, you can do more stuff. 
There was a family that had three, three brothers that grew up. They grew up kind of in, in kind of a poor situation, but all of them became very financially successful. And they were having lunch one day bragging about what they did for their mama. And the youngest one said, you know, I just bought mama a brand new Mercedes, top of the line, S-class, tricked out, loaded out, cost over $150,000, but nothing's too good for mama. So the middle brother just snorted. He went, that's nothing. He said, I just, I just bought mama a, a house on the lake. It's got 5,000 square feet. It's got beautiful glass all around. Everything is custom on the inside. Cost me close to $3 million, but nothing's too good for mama. The oldest one looked at him and said, neither one of you guys get it. You know how mama loves her Bible and loves to read the Bible? He said, I was online and I found that over in Italy there's a monastery and they raised a parrot who can quote the entire Bible in English and in Italian. He said, so I contacted them and they didn't want to sell it. I finally had to agree to give $15 million to their monastery to build an orphanage and a new home for the brothers. He said, but they, they shipped it over here. I gave it, you just name a verse and this parrot can quote it for, but 15 million, but nothing's too good for mama. Well, they were having Christmas dinner when the, the mom looked at the boys and she, she looked at her younger. She said, honey, I appreciate that Mercedes, but that's kind of a, too flashy a car for me. I felt embarrassed, so I sold it and got a truck. She said uh, to the middle child, she said, sweetheart, you know how I like to clean my own house, 5,000 square feet. It's just, I felt like I was just, just in this huge place and I couldn't clean it, so I sold it, going back to my old neighborhood. She looked at her older, she said, now, darling, you know what mama likes. That chicken was delicious. <laughs> if you have more resources, you can do more stuff. Doesn't always mean it's gonna turn out well, but you can still do more with it. When people talk about living bigger, another thing that comes to mind is the idea is, you know, if I had less fear in my life, my life would be bigger. If I, was, if I didn't feel so constricted, if I didn't feel so afraid to take a risk, if I could live my dreams, if I could move outside of my comfort zone, that would be a wonderful way. And there's an element of truth to that. You can live bigger if fear is not restricting you. And then there's, I can live bigger if I had a bigger goals or bigger purpose. Now that's a, that really starts to touch on something that really bigness of life involves. Bigger, bigger goals, bigger purpose. For years, uh, because I grew up in a, in a small business where my parents had a small business and I was part of that for a number of years, uh, they actually have come out with studies that said that people whose mindset is that they start a business to take care of them and their families, and there's nothing wrong with that, said, but those businesses don't typically grow as much as someone who starts a business because he's got a great idea or a great product that he wants to bring to people or he wants to create more jobs. Bigger, bigger purposes made for bigger companies. So living bigger. You say, well, what's, what's that got to do with church? Well, actually, with God, we have an opportunity to live bigger than our lives. In our, our text scripture for this whole series, it says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He said, don't be molded. He said, well, how is, how is the world, how is being molded in the world? Because we live in a world, guys, that is very much me-oriented. It is very much me and my kingdom, my world. If it touches my world, I'm interested. If it doesn't touch my world, I'm not interested. 
And we understand that, we see that, just around that, that selfishness and just living for me is, is one of the biggest challenges. And so what happens is when you make Jesus your Lord, you not only get heaven when you die, which is wonderful, but you become part of a different kingdom. You become part of God's kingdom. In fact, the Bible said we were transferred or translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. We're translated into the kingdom of God where Jesus is king. And translated into that kingdom means that not only, and here's, here's where the mindset begins to change. Not only am I being concerned about my life and what impacts me, but now I'm starting to get involved. Lord, what would honor you and what would advance your kingdom and what would bless people? Now see, that's bigger thinking. Again, this is a mindset change. You say, well, you know, Alan, I, I'm just living right now. You're talking to me right now. And I'm just thinking I've got me and my stuff and my problems and all that stuff. I, I can't see myself doing that. But actually, we can do that because here's what's interesting. When you move outside of yourself, the resources, the freedom from fear, and the bigger purpose is, is the way actually to get there. It's counterintuitive. And we keep thinking, I've got to focus on me. And God says, no, I want you to seek first my kingdom and all these other things are going to be added. It's a different way of thinking. It's a better way of thinking. It's a bigger way of thinking. So here's, a, here's something that many of you realize. Joy, she left college. She's going to Florida State. She's making great grades. And she was dating a guy and they thought they were going to get married and they broke up. And when they broke up, Joy just said emotionally, it, it, it just traumatized her. It just wrecked her. And she actually dropped out of uh, Florida State mid-semester and went to live in California with some of her relatives out there. She's living in California. She said, I don't, I don't even know how I got this job. But somehow she wound up getting a job with a Catholic agency with a group of nuns. They wanted Joy to be a nun. She would have made a great nun. She, next Mother Teresa, but there she was. <laughs> and she said, they gave me a job working with a home for special needs and additional needs, children and adults who were severe. And the parents would come, they would drop the kids off or drop the adults off, and then Joy would watch them for a weekend or a number of days. And she said, the lady that was heading that up, the nun, she quit and she said, I'm 20 years old, I'm now running this whole thing. And what was interesting was, here she was so traumatized, so just down, so despondent. She said, I didn't have time to be jumped down and despondent. She said, I, as I began to reach out to these kids and these adults and begin to run this home, she said, it took my mind off myself. I got involved with other people and it snapped her out of that emotional distress that she was in and she got back to strength and got back to normal. Why? Because she moved outside of this kingdom, she moved into God's kingdom and when you begin to do that, you just open up all kinds of doors and opportunities. All kinds of strength is available there. And then she came back through Texas and hit the jackpot with me. <laughs> At least that's my perspective of it. I, uh, but that's where we met. But the idea was, and, and in fact, even today, we have a, a, a ministry here. Ellen talked about it. Access is a ministry for special needs children and adults. We're one of the only churches in the area that provides this full-time ministry where people can come in and we don't just babysit their kids. We minister to those kids. We love those kids and adults. We make a difference in their life. And that's huge. 
But, here, but here's the idea. We have to get out beyond ourselves. The, the conventional thought is, I need, I need to focus on me, and I've got, I've got me and me, and I understand that. All of us do. I'm watching people down here in the front. They're praying. There's tears. There's things going on. And it's counterintuitive, but it's God's way. It's, it's transformational to begin to think, hey, I can begin to do something beyond me. It's living bigger. One of the guys in the Bible that's well-known is a man named Peter, Simon Peter. When we hear about Peter, Peter, there was nothing about Peter that makes us think he was amazing. He was a fisherman. That's all it tells us. Doesn't say he was brilliant. Doesn't say he had such amazing talent. He was just a fisherman, but he had an interaction with Jesus and his world got bigger. Jesus was by the lake of Gennesaret and he, he, uh, the multitudes were starting to push in on him. So he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, that's Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he, when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said to him, Master, we toiled all night. We worked all night, caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Simon Peter saw it. He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. So also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Jesus, walking by the shore, the multitudes were starting to crush him. And he got into a boat. And what began to change in Peter's life is when Peter said yes to Jesus. He said yes. Jesus didn't demand that, you know, that he let hold the boat. He didn't beg him. He didn't apologize. He just got in the boat and said, would you put out a little? And Peter could have said no. He could have said, you know, Lord, I... <laughs> Timing's not good here. You know, Jesus wasn't, this was not the Jesus that Peter knew. Jesus was really just getting started in his ministry. He was just well known as an amazing preacher. And he was a miracle worker, but it, it was still kind of new. And, and Peter could have said, you know, preacher, I appreciate that, but I'm busy, real busy. Had a busy night. I need to get some things. He could have said, you know, I'm tired. You know, I just fished all night, didn't catch anything, didn't make any money. I'm kind of tired. Could have said, this is, you know, I really would love to help you, Lord, but this is not a convenient time. Just not a good time. I've got a lot of things on my mind. I've got a lot of things. Peter could have said no. Jesus didn't force him to do anything. He didn't force you to do anything. He won't force me. But he gave him an opportunity, and Peter recognized an opportunity to get involved with something bigger than himself. So he said yes, and he held the boat. That was Peter's first ministry. Hold the boat still. Let Jesus preach. But you know, Jesus blessed Peter for his service. That wasn't part of the deal. Jesus didn't go, okay, Peter, if you'll let me use your boat, then I'm going to bless you and I'm going to catch a lot of fish. He just asked to use his boat. When Peter willingly just said, Lord, yeah, use my boat and be glad to do it, Jesus didn't take it for granted. He said, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, here's where the, here's where the challenge is. You know, it took faith, a little step of faith for Peter to believe that holding the boat for Jesus was not wasted time. Now it's going to take faith for Peter to believe that launching out into the deep, that Jesus has his best interest in mind because you don't fish in the daytime. And what do preachers know about fishing anyway? 
And so he looks at the Lord and he basically said, Lord, you know, <laughs> appreciate everything. You're a great preacher, great sermon, loved it. But uh, you don't fish now. But he said something even smarter. He said, Lord, we worked all night, but nevertheless, at your word, I will. That's a great way to handle life. Lord, I can't see how this is going to happen, but nevertheless, at your word, I will. And when he obeyed, they caught some fish. And I mean, they caught a lot of fish. So you could imagine, they're starting to fill the, the, the boat. Peter's boat's beginning to sink. He calls his partners, James and John. They come bring their boat out there. They fill that boat. It's starting to sink a couple of fishing boats. Now listen, I've talked to a lot of fishermen. I've never had anybody come in and go like, wow, did we have a day on Lake Conroe yesterday? Brother, I caught so many fish, the boat was starting to sink. We know you're lying. That is not the truth. <laughs> but they're sinking the fishing boat. And, J and Peter's just so overwhelmed at this amazing catch of fish that he's like, Lord, you need to depart from me. But I love what happens next. Because Jesus gave Peter an opportunity to connect with something bigger than himself. That catch of fish, that was wonderful. But Jesus said, Peter, I got something better for you. From now on, you will catch men. Now on, you're going to be involved in something that's not temporary. You sell the fish, the money, you make the money great, but it's temporary. He said, Peter, I got something that's eternal. You're going to catch men. And we're still appreciative of Peter's ministry today that he said yes to Jesus. But he had to get beyond his kingdom into God's kingdom. And when he did, things began to change. How about you? What's a transformational thought? Well, a, a good transformational thought, I, got to, I think we need to learn to say yes to Jesus and for the privilege of partnering with him. It's a privilege to partner with him. It's a privilege to say, Lord, I want to be involved in what you're doing. In 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote the church and he he said this, he said, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He said, don't, 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 don't kid yourself. He said, you stay in this. You be steady in this. He said, your work, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So in other words, there is kingdom work. He didn't write this to preachers. He wrote this to everybody. He said, it's available to everyone. Everyone can be involved in the work of the Lord. He said, your, your work is not in vain. And you know, he did something I thought was great. He didn't apologize for it. I think we've made a mistake over the years in asking people to serve. And by the way, we're not going to be signing you up today so you can relax. But I think we've made a mistake by apologizing for it. I think we've made a mistake by going, hey, I'm, you know, you know I, I, we really need people to help. We need people to get involved. We need, we need people to do this. We need, we need. We try to stay away from that. And we certainly don't want to apologize because if we're accurate, you know what we should be doing? Actually, what you should be doing is coming to me or coming to different staff members and going, thank you for the opportunity to be involved in something that's bigger than me. Thank you for the opportunity to be involved in something that is involved in God's kingdom. Something that's not a waste of my time. Something that actually has value, not just in this life, but also in the life to come. Listen, we need so many people to do so many things. If I was the only one doing anything around here, it would be a bad Sunday. There'd be a mess in the parking lot. I had a guy wrote me one time, he's all mad because we had people telling him where to park. He said, when I go to Walmart, 
No one tells me where to park. Well, not everyone shows up at the same time at Walmart because, so we need help. So that's a ministry out there. That's a ministry with working with kids. It's a ministry and ushering. It's a ministry, would you, could you, no, you do not want to imagine if I was the only one up here leading worship. It's not a one man show. And everyone has an opportunity to be a part. And you go, well, you know, Alan, it's not convenient. I'm tired. I'm busy. I know it. I get all that. But whatever you do for the Lord, that's valuable stuff. There's a lot of stuff that you're going to do in life that absolutely is a waste of time. This is not a waste of time. Anything you do for God's kingdom, anything you do to bless his people, anything you do for him is not a waste of time. It's a, it's a great use of your time because it will bless people now and it will bless you in the next life. It is a valuable thing. So we get to say yes to Jesus for the privilege of partnering with him. And you know, the interesting thing is he takes it personally. So here's our, here's our next one. There's still blessings associated with serving God's kingdom. There's still blessings associated with it. You know, I, there's a, a verse here in Hebrews. I'll go to Hebrews 6, guys. God's not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, and that you've ministered to the saints and do minister. Leave it up there just a second. Your work and labor of love. Say, so, well, Alan, you know, serving God's kingdom, that's work and labor. Yeah, got it. But he said, it, it's not, he said, but God doesn't forget it. He said, you show it towards his name that you minister. You know, Jesus takes it personally when you do something for him. Jesus, when he was on, Paul was on the road to Damascus. And remember, we just read it in the book of Acts and a light shined down and Jesus spoke to Paul. He was Saul at that time. He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Jesus took the persecution that Saul was doing to the church, he took it personally. Well, if he takes persecution personally, how about people who were helping him? He takes that personally as well. And so you do something for the Lord, there's still blessings associated. It opens doors. You've stepped out of your world, you've stepped into his world, his kingdom, and when you do that, there are blessings there. I spent the first 15 years when I came out of college in business. I was a volunteer at Lakewood. Any other church I served, I volunteered. I wasn't in full-time ministry. When we started the, the ARC in 1996, I was working for a company called Insperity. And as I began to work and the church began to grow, man, we were 300 people and we still had Wednesday night services, Sunday, and I was getting pulled just so many different directions. And I remember someone a friend spoke into my life. He said, Alan, you're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you. And I knew what he was talking about. I knew I needed to quit my job and, and work with the church full time. But the church really didn't have enough money to pay me full time. But I needed to make the break. You know, there's always a step of faith involved. And so I, I finally just got to the point and I went in to see my sales manager. I was working in sales. And I went to see Jay. And Jay, I told Jay, I said, Jay, I'm living in two worlds, church and work. I said, and you guys, work is getting cheated. I'm going to need to resign. He looked at me and said, you want to talk about your severance plan? I'll just be honest with you. I didn't, I didn't know there was a severance plan. I, I, usually in sales, when you quit, they give you a, a brown box. You load your stuff in it, and you walk out. <laughs> he said, you want to talk about your severance plan? So I was smart enough to go, yeah, yeah, let's talk about that. Do you know that they kept me for a full year? on full-time salary and full-time benefits, 
And all I had to do was simply renew clients. It took me 5% of my time and I didn't lose a single client. I was paid full time for doing no work. I want to tell you something, guys. God can open doors when no one else can open doors. He can, he can create promotion. You say, well, Alan, he did that for you because you're a preacher. He didn't do it for me because I was a preacher. He did it for me because I decided I'm going to put God's kingdom before I put my kingdom. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and all these things are added to you. It's a mindset change. Required some faith, but it's a, man, it's a, it's a great way to go. And if you begin to do that, I'm telling you something, God can do some amazing things. He does amazing things through people who simply say, I'm going to step out of my world and I'm going to do something for the kingdom of God. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of doing something for you. Here's the last one. There's more than just blessings. You know, I appreciate blessings. I appreciate those. I think all of us do. You know, none of us are, are going to poo-poo blessings. We're not going to do, I don't need blessings. No, no, no. Blessings are good. You want to bless me? Bless me. You know, thank you. But they're temporary. They're just temporary. What we do for God, that's eternal. And that makes such a difference. And so, again, you say, Alan, are you trying to do a big volunteer sign-up? Mm -mm, we're not trying to do a volunteer sign-up. What I'm talking about is a mindset change. A mindset change that there's a bigger way to live. And that bigger way to live is, God, I want to be involved in your kingdom. I want to be involved in what blesses other people. And you know, here's the beautiful thing about this. It doesn't even have to be in the church. You know, Paul wrote uh, a group of slaves in the city of Ephesus. He said, listen, these were slaves. He said, listen, guys. He said, whatever you do, he said, you do what is unto the Lord, for you serve the Lord Christ. He said, for whatever any good any man does, the same he'll receive from the Lord, whether slave or free. I'm telling you, the beautiful thing is, and it's a step of faith to believe you're, you're, I'm busy, my life, I got too much going on. No, listen, you, it, focusing on yourself is not the way to get help for yourself. You gotta move out beyond yourself and go, God, I'm gonna do something for you. I'm gonna get involved in your kingdom. I'm gonna step a, take a step of faith and watch what you do in my life as I live bigger. When you begin to do that, man, I'm telling you something, it'll open doors. Right now in Israel, there are two seas, one river, two seas. The river Jordan flows, and it flows to the, to the Sea of Galilee, and it flows to the Dead Sea. Sea of Galilee's beautiful. They said there's, there's fish, there's birds, people come and vacation there, they sleep there, it's a gorgeous place to be. And the Sea of Galilee, it's just a wonderful place. It's, it's just full of life. But there's another sea. It's the Dead Sea. River Jordan flows to that sea. That sea is so full of minerals. They say that you, you can float. All, just your ability to float on that water is amazing. But it's so salty. There's no life there. There's no birds. There's no fish. It is dead. Same River Jordan flows to both seas. You say, what's the difference? The Sea of Galilee has an outlet. Water comes in. Water goes out. Dead Sea has no outlet. Water comes in and stops. Listen, when you make Jesus your Lord, you change kingdoms and you become part of a different kingdom and the Holy Spirit comes into your life and he flows into your life and you can be like the Sea of Galilee and you can say, oh, Holy Spirit, come and work in me and I'm gonna let, there's gonna be an outlet. I'm, I'm gonna flow out. I'm gonna bless somebody. I'm gonna do something 
for the kingdom of God, or you can be like the Dead Sea where everything that flows in stops right there. But since we have a choice, I'm encouraging you, let's be a Sea of Galilee church. This is what we do as a church. Guys, do you realize we send hundreds of thousands of dollars every, every year. We send hundreds of thousands of dollars all over the world because we're not just living for the art church. We want to be a blessing in the community. We do things for other churches. We do things for the kingdom of God all over the world because it's not just about us. It's God, what can we do for your kingdom? And when you become a part of that, then when you stand before the Lord, he goes, what did you do? You said, I helped the art church reach a lot of people all over the world for you and your kingdom. It makes all the difference in the world. Katie Ledecky, if you've ever heard that name, considered the greatest female swimmer in American history. She's won like 22 medals, seven gold medals as an Olympic swimmer. She's considered the greatest female swimmer in America. She's an amazing swimmer. And, but Katie has a different mindset. We're talking about mindset, transformational mindset. Katie's mindset is different from other swimmers. Other swimmers, when they start off, they're like, man, I gotta conserve my energy because I hope to have enough to be able to finish. Katie's, she takes off and she shoots out of the gun. They're like, what is she doing? She says, I don't wanna leave anything in the tank. I don't wanna leave anything left over. And that's a great motto for life. That we don't wanna just live for us, that we wanna be able to live for God, do something for him, do something for his kingdom. And when we face the end of our life, we wanna go, I didn't leave anything in the tank, man. I left it all out there so we can one day stand before the Lord because I want to hear him say, not just to me, but to you and to everyone else, well done, good and faithful servant. Would you bow your head with me? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around. Where this kingdom starts is you have to have entrance into the kingdom. That's through Jesus. It's a kingdom based on sacrifice, a kingdom that's based on love for God so loved that he gave. All you have to do to be a part of that kingdom is receive what Jesus has done for you. Then that opens up the opportunities for you, but you got to start somewhere. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you've never made Jesus your Lord, here's a great opportunity to do that. Or maybe you have done that and you just realize I've gotten so far away from God and I want to come back. Well, we're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to have you stand up or come to the front. But right here, right sitting right you are, you can make a change. It's a life change, not only for now, but for eternity. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If that's you I'm talking to, and he's like, Alan, I want to be sure, I want to know, or I want to come back to the Lord, would you pray for me quickly? Shoot your hand up, just quick, across this auditorium. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for that. You can put your hands down, we're going to pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand, you wanted to, that's okay. Listen, you can pray with us. You can pray this prayer out of your heart. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. If you're online and watching, you can pray this. You're by yourself. Pray it out loud. If you're with other people, you can pray it quietly. Say, Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now. I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. With heads still bowed and eyes closed. Heavenly Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. Out of the sincerity of their heart, 
Thank you for those who have received you for the very first time. We rejoice with them out of darkness into light. And for those who have come back home, Father, thank you for the wonderful plan that you have for them, the wonderful privilege of being part of your kingdom. We thank you for that. And Father, for the rest of us, thank you. Help us begin to renew our minds to reach out beyond who we are in ourselves, to reach into your kingdom, Father, to be more of a blessing to you, to your kingdom now and for eternity. We give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.